and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Good morning, brothers and sisters. God bless you. It's been a while uh, from the last episode that um, we explored ye that walketh iniquity. And uh, we've been receiving a lot of feedback from people and how these episodes are a blessing to them. Um, today, I'll be bringing you another very short episode. Um, and I pray that the hand of the Lord will be upon you and that you will be blessed by uh, you know, these few minutes we are going to spend together. Amen. So we are considering Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 30. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 30. I just read from the King James Version. But the Message Bible puts it this way. Don't grieve God. Don't break his heart, his Holy Spirit moving and breathing in you is the most intimate part of your life, making you fit for himself. Don't take such a gift for granted. Don't take such a gift for granted. Now, we are looking at the possibility of grieving the Holy Spirit. The question is, why did Paul make that statement and grieve not the Holy Spirit why did Paul say that or at what point do we get to and it is considered as a grief to the Holy Spirit you know when we were much younger in the Christian faith especially in Sunday school we've been taught a lot about um, sins like the Ten Commandments that are um, they were at our fingertips we could literally say them at the touch or at any instance that we are asked to so and most of this uh, gave us the idea and the uh, preposition that uh, sin is primarily you know whenever you are talking about sin you know don't do this don't do that don't. it's 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 about somebody that as at that time you don't even have a relationship with you don't even understand what to, what it means to have a relationship with God but here Paul talking to matured Christians you remember that um, the, the church in Ephesians was a very big church uh, at some point that was where Timothy was pastoring at some point that was where elders were ordained in fact it is one of the it, as at that time, it was one of the uh, thriving churches with a lot of population, with a lot of people coming in and out. So it was it, it was a model for other churches. There was there was serious interconnection. There was there was things that are happening there, and um, I mean, it, 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 God was glorified. If you check the epistle of Paul to the Ephesians, it is thick with spiritual admonitions as people he was not speaking to babes he was speaking to matured christians people that have experienced the hand of god amen so here paul was telling the people of ephesians the matured christians in ephesians say grieve not the holy spirit now if you check the uh, entire chapter 4 especially from verse 1 
you discover that the concentration, Paul started with the concentration of one church many parts. He was making reference to godly unity. Godly unity. So Paul was talking about uh, the fact that we are one church, but then there's, there are many parts, you know. Um, it is one spirit, but there are many uh, manifestations. Alright? So he was telling them that it is one God, but everything that is happening, yet one spirit, one God, but the diverse manifestation is still to the, to the edification of the of the church. To the edification of the church. Then after laying that foundation, he now started to state some admonitions to the Christians. Some admonitions to the Christians. Things they shouldn't do knowing that it is one God and it is one spirit. Amen. In verse 4, specifically, he told them, There is one body and one spirit, even as ye are called in one hope of your calling. So, okay, imagine, the, especially the church, the universal church, one spirit, one God. The church in Nigeria, one spirit, one God. The same at work in everyone. In everyone, it is in that same Ephesians chapter 4 that you see the different classes or the different uh, specifications of ministry, although it is one body, but then the classifications of ministry where he said, and he gave some apostles, and he gave some prophets, and he gave some evangelists, and he gave some pastors, and he gave some teachers. Why? For the perfecting of the sins. For the perfecting of the sins, uh, God gave this for the perfecting of the sins, not for His perfection. God is perfect in itself; He's flawless in itself. So He gave this for the perfecting of the sins, of the sins. So whatever from that, you, you, you know, that's why you, I have said this time and time again. You don't isolate a verse and give it an interpretation you will be given a wrong interpretation all right flowing from verse 1 of ephesians chapter 4 and from verse 4 where we were told that it is one spirit one god though one body and then the different classification of gifts why for the perfecting of the sins for the perfecting of the sins so if after that when you come down and see uh, the many admonitions that paul gave but speaking the truth in love may grow up all those things from whom the whole body fitly joined together after he has given them a background of all this understanding he now started admonishing them he now started admonishing them from verse 21 if so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus that ye put off concerning the former conversation the old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful laws and be renewed in the spirit of your mind why will you be doing all this verse 25 wherefore putting away lying speaking every man truth with his neighbor for we are members one of another so all that going to 
uh, <clears throat> verse 30 where he now said and grieve not the holy spirit of god whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption what does this mean now having given a background of why this is uh, why this is said remember we said he was talking about the unity of the church one body one Christ one spirit one God although different gifts so why do, how do men grieve the Holy Spirit why did Paul make that statement and why should we you know consider it as something something to really really look at and make sure that you are not caught in the web of as many people that are grieving the Holy Spirit day after day. Amen. Now let's see how men grieved the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. You know everything that you see in the Old Testament is a shadow of the New Testament realities. It is a shadow of the New Testament realities. So, the Old Covenant was given as a shadow of the New Covenant. So, we see hints here and there from scriptures. In Isaiah 63 verse 10 here he said in verse 10 specifically but they rebelled and vexed his holy spirit therefore he was torn to be their enemy and he fought against them Isaiah 63 and verse 10 but they rebelled and vexed his Holy Spirit. Therefore, he was turned to be their enemy and he fought against them. And he fought against them. How did they vex the Holy Spirit? What did they do that was considered as vexing the Holy Spirit? Numbers 14 verse 11. Numbers 14 verse 11. And the Lord said unto Moses, How long will these people provoke me? And how long will it be ere they believe me for all the signs which I have showed among them? Which I have showed among them. Now, uh, this was uh, this was a tougher scenario because they have spied the land and they saw giants in it. Can't go into this promised land because of the giants in there. Irrespective, they, they forgot what God had said and they decided to go back. But see a milder, um, there's there's a milder uh, picture of what happened here. In Exodus, you will see that most times when the people complain or when they murmur, they murmured against Moses they murmured 
against Moses. And throughout that um, arrangement, God considered it as what? Grieving the Holy Spirit. I guess I guess somebody needs um, further explanation right here. <laughs> further explanation. Okay. Before I get into that a little bit, let's just look at First Thessalonians chapter five and verse nineteen, because sometimes it is important for people to see different aspects of. A particular thing I mean from different views in 19 of first Thessalonians we say quench not the spirit quench not the spirit now this is done to make you understand that uh, I think this debunks the doctrine that the Holy Spirit is just an active force you know, that comes after it's shaking no the Holy Spirit is God. He can feel. He has all the attributes that you can attribute to God. Everything God is, the Holy Spirit is. He knows, He sees. Amen. He feels. So you can have a personal relationship with Him. It is difficult for some people to understand this, and that is why their relationship with God is not. It's not growing any further because they don't see him as it's it's the, the human the human frame is very sensitive the human frame is very physical especially when uh, we have amplified the attributes of the body more than the attributes of the spirit so what we can touch see and feel makes more sense to us than what is uh, should I say imaginary right now but it is not imaginary because once you decide to you know give more time to understanding the things of the spirit having a relationship a supernatural relationship with the spirit you begin to see that your life begins to be more spiritual than it is physical you begin to know things and do things by the spirit because the spiritual controls the physical so he told them that do what quench not the spirit quench not the spirit that means what it means is you know to quench it means to stop the flow to stop the flow when you don't give the leadership of the spirit what are you doing you are quenching the spirit but he has told them before in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 30 he said grieve not the Holy Spirit grieve not the Holy Spirit so whatever you do like the things that we have read in Ephesians chapter 4, all the things that we have read in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30, like you know, um, in verse 29, say, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. 
let him that stole steal no more. Verse 28. But rather let him labor, walking with his hands the thing which is good, that he may have to give to him that needed. Yeah. Let all bitterness, verse 31, and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven us. Number two, how do men grieve the Holy Spirit? How do men grieve the Holy Spirit when they engage in things that disunify the church? Hmm. Yes. If your communication is corrupt, and doesn't edify your, your your brother in church or in the faith, you are grieving the Holy Spirit. If there is bitterness, if there is wrath, if there is anger and clamor and evil speaking amongst you and amongst the people of like faith and the household of faith, you are grieving the Holy Spirit. So in 2 Corinthians, especially in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, from verse 21 to 22, here we are told that now he who established us with you in Christ and an anointed us is God, who hath also sealed us and given the earnest of the Spirit in our hearts. He has sealed us and given the earnest of the Spirit in our hearts. Remember the purpose of the Holy Spirit. One of the purpose of the Holy Spirit was to seal us. It's a seal of the God that we profess. It's a seal of our faith. Even to the day, even to our redemption and to the day of his coming. Sealed us for life. Sealed us everlasting. So this thing has come to stay. It is in you, it is in us, it works in us. So it can be grieved, it can be quenched. How? By our conduct. By our conduct. So people who say, oh, Christianity is in the heart. Yes, it is in the heart and manifests in the hands. By what you do. It, it's in the heart, but it manifests in your deeds. So as I begin to round up this episode, grieve not the Holy Spirit of God by your actions, by the things you do with one another, by the things you do when you come when you, you, you come to the household of faith, when, when you are gathering with the brethren, what are the things that are proceeding out of your mouth? Are you sowing a seed of discord? You are grieving the Holy Spirit. Are you murmuring one to another? You are grieving the Holy Spirit. Are you gossiping one to another? You are grieving the Holy Spirit. Are you disobedient to His leadership? Is that saying to do this? 
but you are, your ego is in the way. It's asking you to give a word of edification to a brother and you don't want to say it because oh, what would they say? What would they say? Well, how would they regard me? You are grieving the Holy Spirit. So basically, Paul was telling them that because we are one church, because we are one body, and because we are expected to edify one to another, let us not do things that will not edify, because when we do, we are grieving the Holy Spirit. The Lord bless you. Praying for you today that God will bring you to your place of rest in the name of Jesus. And as he has sealed you with his Holy Spirit, you will continue to live as one who is truly redeemed, as one who doesn't, um, you know, who knows the weight of the sacrifice of Jesus upon his life. And you will edify the brethren from now henceforth. Receive the boldness to, you know, go where he sends you. Receive the boldness to wait upon the waters he has called you into. In the name of Jesus, may your life begin to be an edification to as many. May your words, may God touch your lips. And may all that proceeds out of your mouth be that which will edify the brethren in the name of Jesus. The Lord bless you. Send in your testimonies and follow us on all our social media handles. And uh, we believe that God is helping us day by day to equip the church and edify them by bringing word and something that will help your life in the name of Jesus. Amen. And for as many that are listening to this episode from everywhere, we can... Um, by God's grace, I have been licensed to take some master classes on study and the shoes test. Study is uh, the having a way we study the Bible. So we can bring these two in a very impactful way to your audience, to your congregation. We can, it can be a secular meeting, doesn't matter. And then the shift test helps us to have interrelationship with people. It helps us to understand ourselves, the shape that we are, and the shape our co-workers are. And then we can work together and build something great together. So do well to check the various websites on masterclasssuits.com and then the shift test. Just check down in Ajumbo. You can book me and then let's have this real time together. God bless you. The Lord bless you. I'm looking forward to, you know, having a meeting one day with all my listeners. Thank you and God bless you. Have a great day.